when I've had good people, and currently we got a lot of great people, a lot of good staff going on right now with the growth we're currently going through. And when somebody has a job, it's the reason why they have that job and why they're good at it. You just kind of right. let them do it and not might try to micromanage. And that's kind of one thing we've recently tried to do is let, just let people do their jobs. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. And Aisha Woods, Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and musician. Together, they talk with artists and industry insiders to discover our connection between music and faith. You can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter, at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Aisha. So how you been, my friend? Been doing good. Doing good. Can't wait for summer. Can't wait for summer. Tired of this winter already. (laughs) Oh, no, you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. Not in Orlando, Florida. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you, but But I don't don't know what you're talking about. I hear you, but I don't understand you. I understand. Yes. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. It's It's been warm and it's been breezy, like really, really breezy. So, um... Speaking of breeze, have you heard about this uh, fresh wind that's blowing across our nation here? Yeah. Some revival breaking out? Yeah. It's, uh, I suppose, high time, but you can't really put a time limit or restraint on anything like that. started at uh, Asbury, a bunch of students getting together, and, and they just kept having church for days. And it's, it's still going on, isn't it? Still going well. It, it has been going on. I, I thought I heard they kind of disbanded or, or relocated or something like that. But it's been okay. it's like it's like that flame that spreads because it's been happening in other universities as well, which is really exciting to see and and hear about. I think it's great that it's starting with students. It's happening with the young people because I, mm-hmm. I truly believe that that's the best. I can't. I just can't imagine. I don't see something like this happening with. Like a Chris Tomlin or one of you know Corey Asbury or one of these big artists, uh, right, right. because that's their livelihood. Well, it might happen with, it, with it could. Corey Asbury. Sure, it could. But I, I I'm, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> Asbury. Yes, yes. Come on. Sorry, I didn't mean to say. I didn't mean that because of his last name. But I think for me, it's um, it's exciting to see when it happens with students because then you. You're, it's genuine, right? It's not a show. Right. And, and a lot of times right. when it's an artist and that's their livelihood, that's what they do to make money. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, you might question if it's if it's genuine or authentic or not. Right. right? right. What, what really disturbs me, though, and I think it's great what's happening. Um, I'm not a big fan of the, oh, uh, fly down and check it out. Uh, tourist right. type thing, you know. I I I think it's sure. it's great being an, a spectator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember years ago we had something in Toronto called the Toronto Blessing, and uh-huh. I, it was at a church. It was like a vineyard church at the time, and I think they've since okay. changed their name or whatever. And it's a big thing, um, and it was known about all across North America. And people were flying in to check it out, and like I said, yeah. it was like it was right by the airport, Toronto Pearson International Airport. Ten minutes away from my house at the time, we had an apartment, Mm. and we were really, really close to where it was. And I'll be honest, I never went. I never went for the main reason why is because I felt that if God is moving, um, he can move anywhere, 
right? I don't have Absolutely. to physically go to that church to experience right, right. God, right? That was my right. one thing. But the funniest thing was um, my parents lived in British Columbia at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, they had moved there a number of years earlier. And so my mom flew to Ontario to Toronto to check this, you know, Toronto blessing out, you know, and, wow. and she came with a bunch of other people as well. And I was kind of not hired, but I was the, because I live close to the airport, I was the guy that had to go to the airport and pick these guys up. I was going back and forth sure. with the vehicle, with their luggage and everything else. And, you were uh, voluntold. I was, I was definitely voluntold. <laughs> and one of the guys, when I picked him up from the airport, didn't know this guy from a hole in the ground, but he says uh-huh. to me something like, wow, this is amazing. This is incredible that's happening in Toronto. You must love this. This is, And I, and I kind of shrugged my shoulders and said, well, I've, I've never been. And, and he was shocked. He looked at me and he was shocked. He said, you've never been? Like, why? It's, it's, it's happening right in your backyard. And I said, well, and, and this is what I explained to him. You know, in Toronto, we have the CN Tower. Right. right. It's a big tourist attraction. Just because we have the the CN Tower doesn't mean I go to the CN Tower every week, right? Right. It's there. And I can you go don't whenever see I like. Me at Mickey Mouse. Right. Uh, for at you Disney in, every week. Right. Yeah. For you in Orlando, it's there. You can go whenever you want. And, sure. Sure. And I, I and part of that too is you know I don't believe in the time limit. So if something is happening, um, I can go anytime. Right. Right. I, and I don't want to sound like I don't want to sound callous and say, "Well, I'll go later." You know, I, I'm not interested in going. I'll go later. But why can't mm. something like that happen in my own church, right? Right. And I'm not it saying happen in, I, I don't need to go there and bring it back, right? right? And so right. that's the thing I've seen with Asbury, where all these people seem to I don't know they don't have jobs, so they've got time to fly out. You know that. <laughs> Like I've, I'm working every day. I don't know about you, right? Right. So I don't yeah. have uh, unless I've happened to book vacation time around when it's happening. This revival's happening. I can fly out mm-hmm. and check it out. But I'm not a fan of the spectator part of things. Yeah, I hear you. And when it's all said and done, you think about the word. It, the word says where two or three are gathered together mm-hmm. in His name, He's right there in the midst. So. Revival can break out wherever, yeah. <laughs> wherever you're calling on his name and just open to the spirit of God moving and have an open mind and open heart. Mm-hmm. He can he can move wherever in whatever country, whatever state, whatever church, whatever school, you know. What I so, like about this is that it's student led. And the only people that have been leading are students. And so I actually saw I saw a social media post from a well-known worship leader who attended. And just Mm -hmm. the fact that they were a well-known worship leader didn't mean they ended up getting on the stage. And I don't know that they were necessarily looking to get on the stage. It was student led and just wanted to experience just to experience it, which, again, tourists, not tourists. You know, uh, right. have the time versus having a job. Um, there's there's a lot to be said, but I, I I'm thrilled that it's happening. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to right. sound negative or anything like that. I'm just right, right. Again, I'm really happy that it's student led. I'm happy that it's spreading to other universities and college campuses sure. and stuff. And we need revival. We do, and it's going to happen with the young people. And so, if those young mm-hmm. people can bring it to their church, uh, and it just continues spreading that way, I think is awesome. Hmm. And let it continue and not be something that dies out right. after three weeks. Right. But let there be a fire 
on the inside that just burns on through e- to eternity. Right. And and not something that's um uh what's the word for it? Um trendy. Well, trendy, right? Not yeah, that's yeah. something that's not trendy and something that's not uh, made up. In other words, you know, it's right. it's happening. It's fabricated. Yeah, mm-hmm. fabricated in your own church, trying to mimic what's happening, trying to yeah. to kindle the fly, fire yourself versus right. you know it actually being there. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's great. I think it's uh, exciting, exciting times in North America. So we go in next week. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I book my flight and let's head down and see what's going on. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Between the Grooves. After all that, uh, we are into episode 254, and this uh, conversation we're going to have today is something I've been looking forward to uh, for quite some time. We're chatting with David Leckie, and he is a concert festival promoter um, and all that happens. And, you know, I'm a big fan of summer festivals. I know it's a big thing in the Christian community because it's an opportunity for people like you and I to go to a concert and see a whole bunch of bands at the same time when it's a multi-day event and whatnot. And he does that sort of thing. He does small stuff, big stuff, but um, I'm really interested in in seeing what's all, you know, happening behind the scenes with these, these big concerts and stuff. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I've had the opportunity to, um, to get to know David over the years in ministry and in touring. And um, is that how you met him in the first place? Yes, it is. Okay. I met him at, uh, actually, it was a showcase for festival owners. And I was the last act on the bill. <laughs> and got a chance to meet him at probably close to midnight um, at this event. And we've been connected ever since. And um, just a solid, solid guy and... Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to share today. Well, let's get him on the line right now. David Leckie on Between the Grooves. Aisha speaks very highly of you, David. Well, uh, that's that's good to know. I'm glad I got a, a, a couple folks out there that like me anyway. That's good. I, <laughs> I, I think she's amazing, too. We've had a wonderful uh, relationship the last several years, and and I'm glad to be on your program. You know, my my uh, once in a while when I'm on the radio because I do the morning show in Toronto, once in a while I'll get somebody saying, you know, maybe it's a contest or whatever, somebody calling up and say, "I listen to your show every morning," and my response is, "Great, that's awesome, thank you so much." That makes you and my mom. <laughs> I, I, I get that. I totally right. get that. Right. So listen, uh, you are uh, from what Aisha describes a concert slash festival promoter. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. For, I guess first of all, how did you get into that game, and uh, and what do you do? Because <laughs> you know, it's got to be a big job. It is, and it's one of the things I do. I'm also co-founder of a foundation that battles human trafficking, building homes called Freedom Ranch for girls 12 to 18, long-term recovery homes. Uh, but uh, the festival, or the part of it, the concert festival promoter side agent all of those things. Um, about, oh, 15 years ago, I was I owned a trucking company and spent a lot of time on the road, and I just didn't feel like being away from home, family, it just really didn't feel like it was something I wanted to do long-term. I got just really burned out on it. And so 
I thought to myself, you know, what what else can I do? And, and I had some experiences in construction and things like that, but I thought, you know, I love music, and I love, uh, it's just one of the things I'm just really passionate about. I wonder who promotes these shows. And I just started driving and hmm. thinking and, you know, going down the road. And, and then I thought, well, if I'm going to promote concerts, maybe I'll do it with somebody I kind of like. So at the time, and I still do, I was... I was a fan of uh, David Phelps and the Gaither Vocal Band, so I thought, well, I'm going to look up and see who kind of works with David. So I looked it up and uh, I talked to this guy from Nashville called Jim Chafee. At the time, was uh, David's uh, agent, and I said, you know, I'm driving truck, and I just would really like an opportunity to maybe be do some promotion or concert promotion. And he goes, well, do you know anything about it? And I said, no, I just want to. I think I can do it though. And he says, wow. And so he invited me down to Nashville. We talked a little bit. Um, and he said, I'm going to give you a shot. Uh, and so he gave me three concerts opportunities in Wisconsin, one over in Eau Claire, one in Green Bay, one in Milwaukee. <clears throat> and they went very well. And so mm-hmm. I, um, I ended up getting a bunch of more David uh, Phelps shows, and I just kind of grew over the years to where you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with like Newsboys and Michael W. Smith, Toby, and different people in in the Christian field. And now we're kind of expanding into some country and blues and and jazz here in the next couple of years. I got some opportunities that were just uh, handed to me recently, so we're um, very thankful for it. And that's kind of how I got to get on the uh, concert side and promotions, etc. So, how big and how small? As far as as far as these concerts and festivals, like how oh, you know, yeah, is it just a small church type thing, or is it you know, multi day event with lots of bands coming in? Like what's 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 your scope? Yeah, thanks. It started off relatively small. Just I did a Meyer Theater in Green Bay, which was about a thousand seats. Uh, my one of my first concerts, I I thought, well, I'm gonna give it a shot. I had to kind <laughs> of fit small. The, yeah, just a thousand like a thousand seats. <laughs> well, I had, I had the, well, hang on, I had a the, thousand seats doesn't mean he filled a thousand seats, right? No, we well, had that's we had true like too. Eight, yeah, we we had like eight eight fifty, I think, the the first night, and so it was wow. a it was a decent crowd. That's great. But so we we started with you know in that thousand seat church range, eight hundred thousand seat. You know, you got to kind of fit the venue with the artist. Uh, making sure, sure it's not, you know, you have a huge artist in 500 seats or a small one with, a you know, 4,000 seats. And we've done a variety of things. I've worked with arenas. I've worked with um, theaters. I've worked with small churches as little as three, 400. I got, like, for example, I got David Phelps going to a small 450-seat church in New York in May. Uh, normally he does larger venues. But to, to answer your question, you know, we've worked with small and large venues over the years. It just depends on the artist. Do you need a lot of capital to start one of these things? Like if, if you get hired to put on um, a concert or some sort of festival, is it your responsibility to come up with the cash? Well, yes. You know, you got deposits on artists. A lot of times, depending on the venue, you'll have a deposit for the venue. I think the main thing is if a person wants to get started in this, I would say step into it and try it. You don't have to do it on a large scale. Just see how you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and work with artists are willing to work with you, especially, you know, if it's a if it's a newer artist or maybe an artist that is looking to book some dates and so forth. The, on the finances side, if they know you're willing to go out there and hustle and and try to sell some tickets or try to get some sponsors or whatever it takes to make the event work, you know, they're willing to 
kind of work with you a little bit on the financial side and the payment structure and all of that. So I would never let um, the financial end of getting into this business um, dictate if you're, you know, if a person's going to do it or not. And are you limited geographically as well? Do you just stick with one state or, or states around where you are, or do you travel all over the place? No, good question. We're doing a bunch of Corey Asbury dates right now, and we're we're throughout the Midwest. I'm working our way west right now a little bit. Um, I, you know, I haven't done an Alaska show yet. I haven't done a Hawaii, things like that. But most of the Hawaii, 50- you got to do the Hawaii show, Give and I'll, I'm going to join you for that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got I got to get out. I got to get out there. So you do know, we I all? Go. Yeah. Hey, I I but, I know a few yeah. people. Just saying. Well, I think we we better have a conversation then, I think. <laughs> Include me. It would be a, I'll intro the artist to the stage or something. Like, just, you know, make some excuse to have me there. Oh, man. I, well, let's do it. The three of us, let's go. Okay. But I'm, That's good. I'm, uh, but, yeah, it, it not limited on geographic, and, and nobody is getting into this business. If, if you have a, an area that you want to promote and you feel strongly that you have connections there, then, then, then go do it. We are on the verge of summer festivals, and in the Christian community, that's that's a big thing. That's where you know a lot of these artists, bigger artists, uh, thrive on. That's a lot of their livelihood comes from these summer festivals. You know, going sure. week to week or weekend to weekend, and and whatever. I'm curious as to um, how the artists get booked, and and particularly. Uh, the pecking order, you know, kind of the ranking, because I'm sure every artist wants to be the headliner, uh, but you can only have one headliner, and then you've got all these potentially uh, these other acts uh, that are maybe considered openers. I'm not sure if there's actually a term for that, but you might have one main guy that's their their stage time is seven o'clock at night, but all these other artists that were on before them. Yes, it is, it is challenging at times when you're working with festivals to you know, to have that order in place. And, you know, your agents, and you're talking about booking, it's it's through the booking agents themselves. Most artists um, have what's called a booking agent, and, you know, the promoter goes through them, and then they they reach out to the management for the artist, and it's kind of a, a little bit of a process with that. But that being said, you know, that placing of the artist at festivals, if you have six, eight a day, can be a little tricky. They want to know who's there. Who do you plan on bringing? Because they don't want to be placed in a spot that's maybe lower, mm. you know, or you know, lower than somebody. Yeah. They, you know, somebody's just above them, and and I get that. A lot of artists have mm. a lot of years in, and you know, they don't want to be placed with like a local worship band, and you bring in an artist that you know is maybe I'm not going to name any names, A-list. but a mid-range artist. Sure, you know, they don't yeah. want to be thrown in and then have like a local worship band right after him. So it's there's a lot to that, um, but it's it gets a little bit up tricky, and you know you try to be respectful of of that when you're putting the vans in order and so forth at the event. Uh, like I I just booked Jeremy Camp up at a, our festival for our for our foundation Rising Hope. I just we just booked Jeremy. Well, obviously he's going to be our closer. So then before mm-hmm. him, you know, I have to, I got like Brandon Heath, Mark Schultz, where might might bring in Blanco or um, another artist there, maybe loving the outcome. But I have to place them kind of in relevance to what they're doing currently 
out right. there, you know, with, with sales. When you're booking these artists, do you book the headliner first, or are all these artists or groups kind of hobbling around or, or all kind of vying for that spot all at the same time, or um, do you book the openers first, and then you've got something to go to with the headliner? You know, it's a great question. I try to book the headliner first when I can. This year was a little tough because there was just a bump across the board in the top 10 or 12, I noticed. I mean, uh, artists, so without, you know, getting into detail too much, um, it I had a hard time booking our, our closer for the event this year. So we finally made something happen with Jeremy and... Um, but it's it's I like to get them booked first because it builds some excitement. Obviously, ticket sales can take off, things like that. Um, you can you can go. I don't like to announce our festival before our closers in place. Right. Uh, but we are it's going to get up and ticketed. We're moving to a new venue this year, which we're really excited All about. Right. It's, a, it's an amphitheater in uh, Moorhead, Minnesota, called the Blue Stem, and so um, we just uh, but yes we we try to get their closers booked first every year sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't is part of that yeah. due to the budgeting well yeah there is a budget obviously with artists that you'd like to stay with especially on my on this festival in Fargo because it is tied in with the foundation and you know I those dollars that we bring in for the children uh, for human trafficking to recover uh, are huge important to me so a budget is important, and you know, obviously, mm-hmm. when the, the closers are costing more, then we're having to adjust everybody else that we're bringing in for the day, who who we can bring in, the support, and all of that. What does your team look like? Like, is it a small team or a large team? What kind of a team does it take to put something like this on? You know, when we when we're at the old venue. It was a, basically a parking lot, and we had to build a city in a parking lot with stage and generators, bathrooms, and fencing, and all of that. And that's one of the reasons why we decided to make the change and move is because this venue gives us the support we need as far mm-hmm. as the parking, the you know, the behind the stage, the ushers, the ticket takers, all yeah. of those things that you need during the day. So we we'll have limited volunteer needs this year, which. Uh, and and basically, I don't have to bring in a stage and all of those things. They provide everything. So um, that's wonderful. Thought, well, it, for me, it frees up my time. And when it, when I got other things I'm doing, whether it be the foundation or jail ministry or different things that we do, um, mm-hmm. we just I just need that extra time. And I, it was just consuming too much time. And years ago, they when I was talking with some you know with Roberts and different people in Nashville about getting into the festival business he said don't do it dave your, your, your concerts are going great things are humming along i said no it can't be that much harder than just a regular concert and he goes it's a lot harder and and you know what he was mm. right it takes a lot of work wow you can often find uh david at a festival riding around on his golf cart <laughs> making sure everything <laughs> is together well, and hopefully that's all he has to do is ride around with the golf cart because if he's yeah. off the golf cart, it means he's trying to put out a fire or, or you know fix something. Right. Well, uh, praise God, we've had some good people. My wife is really helps me run these events a lot, and we got a good team of of people, whether it be on the production side or um, you know volunteer coordinator side or merch coordinator or whatever. We we have a really good team of people that 
that have been able to make that happen. I've, I've just been a small part of just the the booking and and some of those types of things, really. So, but there is a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes for these festivals. You mentioned, you know, dealing with the volunteers. There's the security. There's the marketing. There's, you know, if you've got vendors or sponsors, it's you know right. getting that all arranged, and then just the the coordination, setup coordination, and um, you you mentioned you have a team. Uh, is it the same team you always use? The same people in the same roles? It it has been overall. We have made some changes in the festival because it's just the amount that's needed. Obviously, we, we've we kind of condensed. Uh, instead of going with like 60, 70 volunteers, we're only going to need about 10. So that just obviously oh, that changes a lot the dynamic you know, of, of the volunteers because of the venue. The production team, I, I'm assuming that's kind of, that's probably a, a, a company that you've hired to handle all of that, whether it's the audio, the uh, you know the setting up the the main speakers if if, if it's a, a venue where they don't ha- have equipment there setting up all the equipment and then getting the people to run the equipment yeah it, on that issue we, it's basically we send them over the uh, technical you know the riders for every artist right so that they can see the needs of the artist the back line the gear that they may need to be bring in to to fulfill that contract and um I just kind of leave it up to them at that point. I get them what they need, and and they kind of run with it from there. I give them the times, uh, you know, that we are going to have the the set times and the in-between and turnover and everything, and they just kind of run with it. And, you know, um, years ago I was told, you know, that to focus, you know, on what what you're good at and let people do their jobs Mm -hmm. and get out of the way, and that's kind of, uh, uh, you know, it's been good uh, advice for me. I. I'm in a way I've I've always had a part of me where you want to be in control that you feel like if you let go of something you know hmm. that you, you won't be able to control a situation or an event or whatever and it's always cost me when I've had good people and currently we got a lot of great people a lot of good staff going on right now with the growth we're currently going through and when somebody has a job it's the reason why they have that job and why they're good at it you just got to right. let them do it and not try to micromanage. And that's kind of one thing we've recently tried to do is just let people do their jobs. Yeah, um, that's so good. And so many people need to hear that. Um, I've I've got a question for you. How is it, like, what's the process for securing sponsors? That's a great question. It's really one of the areas I feel like our company is really strong at. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's just developing relationships. Now, for the festival, yeah. it's been easy for me because, you know, when with the nonprofit of Rising Hope attached and people knowing that if, when they buy a ticket, when they sponsor something, it's all going into Rising Hope Foundation to pay the bills. But anything mm-hmm. over and above that goes right into helping the kids. And so um, that part's easy. When you're talking about the for-profit side, that changes the dynamic because you don't have that nonprofit piece to be able to really push those sponsors so you just mm. really have to be able to show them what they can get for that, whether it be some tickets for their staff, uh, whether it be rotating their logo at the event. Um, right. Thank you from stage, uh, you know, radio spots that you take down at the end, um, paper, you know, if you're doing uh, billboards, you know, where you have their logo on the billboards or posters. So we try to stagger that with the different levels in place. 
So whether it be mm-hmm. a 500 sponsor or a 5,000 sponsor or something in between or more high, whatever, they get, you know, that staggered level they get for those sponsorships, they get extra pieces. So um, if, mm-hmm. that, if that answers that at all. Yeah, for sure. Now, something like this, are you planning two years in advance or a year in advance? How does that work? Yeah, normally right after the festival, we start taking it, you know, we take a look at it, see how it went, see what kind of changes we want to make. And the same with touring or concerts and so forth. We take a look at them after, take a look at, you know, the numbers, obviously, how many people were there, you know, the marketing, how did things go, what changes do we need to make? So you're constantly mm-hmm. reviewing things because it, it's constantly changing out there. Right, um, right. It, it just really is. And I know somebody had mentioned earlier, um, about the, um, you know, about the, the agents in the fields and, and, and uh, you know, booking and all of that. And, and everything's changing in this business, especially I noticed the last right. couple of years. There's been so many changes in, in Christian music. It's got to be a big job just managing the contractual obligations. Like if you, whether it be the riders on the artist side, but also on the vendor side, and you were mentioning the different levels and stuff, and even if it's, you know, showing their logo between sets or having yeah. a, an onstage mention or, or whatever, all of that stuff has to be coordinated. It has to happen uh, for them to be happy with what they got for what they paid. Right, right. Yeah, you, you got to be able to show, you know, those pieces. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll take pictures, you know, uh, have a staff person take pictures of the business logo at the event. Um if you're if you run a poster, you know you just you send it over when you when you do it. If you run a radio ad, you you send that spot over. You know just the confirmation thing to make sure that those businesses are you know know that they're getting what's what's been contracted with them. Mm-hmm. One of the things I've seen that has grown in the last few years, without you know uh, without of course the pandemic having any impact on concerts and festivals but one of the things i've noticed that has really grown in the last few years is the social media during the event so that the marketing happening while the event is happening have you noticed that yourself as well yeah you know that's that's a big deal that whole social media piece and and you know facebook has changed some of the inside workings well just that's just facebook i don't want to pick on facebook but you know Mm -hmm. um that's just for one company, but they've changed it to where you can't even like target specific artists anymore. Um, hmm. And I'll just give one, I'll just give one small example. And I know this maybe isn't exactly your question, but this is something that I've just, it's fresh with me because I'm working on it right now with some Corey Asbury shows and I can't go in and, and target Corey Asbury in like a 150, 200 mile radius around an event. They, they've cut out a lot. I, there's hardly any Christian artist anymore that you can put in there. I can't put like, I, I can't even put like a Christian music or anything. They pulled wow. all of those pieces out. So as crazy as it is, I got a guy that does this. He said, David, as crazy as it is, Switchfoot is in there. You want to put, you want to target them? And I says, well, Switchfoot isn't, isn't Corey, but at least it's right. Christian music. I don't know why they left Switchfoot in there. But there's huh. Michael Michael W. Smith ain't in there. Toby's not in there. You can't target specific artists on Facebook anymore for a region when you're doing like a, 
a Facebook boost and so forth. So right, it's right. gotten. Why do you think that is? Changed. Well, I, I got to jump in. I got to jump in because uh, the reason why Switchfoot might be in there is, if I recall correctly, because I had Switchfoot or we had Switchfoot on the podcast a while back. And mm-hmm. while the name of the group is Switchfoot, Switchfoot is also a term that's used in um, surfing. Ah. So maybe that's the reason why you see Switchfoot. They're, They're not the band Switchfoot, but the term. Right. But it's the term with surfing. Maybe that's the reason why Switchfoot is there and not Toby hmm. Mac or Corey Asbury or whoever else. Yeah, I'm just I'm just guessing. I'll have to look at that. Maybe my guy didn't catch that. I'll have to talk to him later. Thanks for thanks for sharing. Well, that's that. what I'm here for. Know. That's that's what I'm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at this big event that you have, and and uh, I, th- if if I'm correct, the Thrive Fest North is one of the bigger festivals that you manage. Correct? Yeah, it's 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 our biggest event for Rising Hope Foundation. It's it's our biggest fundraising event for that for the nonprofit. Yes. So how many people during that event will you have running around being photographers or videographers specifically for social media? Yeah, we try to limit that. I have one lady in Grand Forks uh, north, up there in North Dakota that's been doing, you know, p- photography for me for several years, Yvonne Jones. And I trust her, you know, backstage and around the front and different things. And so I try to stick with the same um, we don't do video every year. I do have a guy in Texas that comes up and does it maybe every other year for me. Um, mm. Just if we want like updated video, like the web page or whatever. But we we limit some of that. Um, you know, I just take a look at it and go, is it worth the extra cost? If I already have footage uh, from the event in the past with major artists, I don't feel like I need to add a lot to that. Um, now with this new venue this year, we're probably going to be bringing in, you know, more more of that because we're switching venues so we're, we're going to need that that backdrop if you will that, that's going to change mm-hmm. um but we limit that uh, quite a bit though um because there's so much activity already going on you know from the front of the stage back uh, with artists going in and out and um you know staff and security and we we really limit the amount of people that have exposure or try to anyway I guess the thing with social media is it's social. And so if you have uh, a sponsor, and and I can use the example like a radio station because I work for a radio station, uh, and the radio station is there and they're backstage because they're either they have some stage time or they're interviewing artists or whatever. I mean, there's a mutual relationship there where they could be uh, displaying on their social media some backstage moments that could be shared by you as well. It's a big thing. That partnerships mm-hmm. with radio uh, has on the promotion side and uh, relationship side, besides the spots and everything that the radio station can bring to the event, um, that, that long relationship. We work with, I think this year we'll have about nine Christian radio stations throughout North, North Dakota and Minnesota and then possibly Winnipeg again this year, but we work That's with, great. you know, a lot of Christian stations. Now, with the foundation being involved on the nonprofit side, I'm only charged two of the nine stations only charge that charge me at all um, mm. because they really walk with us on the, on wanting to get these homes for children. So. Um, that's obviously different than when we do the for-profit shows through Thrive Productions Group. 
uh, everything everything changes there. You know, we don't get that 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 free situation that we get with the foundation. But I'm thankful uh, that they realize, mm-hmm. you know, the worth of of doing something and helping these kids. So. But, but that. But what's said, free? Relates- what's free then? I mean, it, it could be a trade-off, right? Where they're doing commercials or spots for you, but because they're doing that for you, you're giving them a spot at the festival or, or advertisement, yeah. or you know, you're paying for their food and accommodations while they're physically there. If it's you know some a radio stations out of town, as an example, and you're also perhaps giving them opportunities to interview these artists, which is content for their radio station, but also you know promotes the artist. There are some trades, but I got to tell you, I have four or five stations that want nothing. They just, they run the spots. I got a station in Bismarck, North Dakota, uh, and one up in Minot, one in International Falls, um, one in St. Cloud. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't really want anything as far as tickets. I mean, I offer it, and they say, you know, if we can make it, we'll give you a call. But they'll run mm. the spots because they just like our foundation so much of what we're doing. They want they to be able to help you. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, That's I'm a I'm a little jealous right now because um, I'm <laughs> I'm in Toronto, Canada, and we don't get <laughs> lots of concerts. Like there is no summer festival. There used to be something, and and they shut down like a year before the pandemic. Um, anything that happens as far as a festival is out of town. Like it's going south in, into the U.S. Mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. anything that travels across Canada. Now, there is, you know, across Canada events, but they're they're a lot smaller. They're usually in church environments. They're not, you know, multi-day events with multiple artists very often. Right. Um, so I'm kind of jealous right now. <laughs> why do you think Why do you think that is? Why do, I mean, just turning it around a little bit, why do you think, you know, Toronto, Winnipeg, Montreal, whatever, uh, you know Vancouver. Why? Why do you think some of the bigger Canadian cities haven't done much for larger Christian festivals? Well, I know one of the major reasons is because of the border. So a lot of you know any of the A-list artists, any of these big mm-hmm. artists that you want to bring in, uh, have to uh, get across the border with all their gear, with them personally. I know of one mm. band that tried to come up twice for a concert and they had to cancel the concert because one of the artists in this band had, you know, some driving conviction 10 years ago, you know, speeding or or parking in the wrong place or whatever else. And because it was on his record, they wouldn't let them in. So there's all of those. The logistics just getting them into Canada, I think, is a big deal. I think with a festival where I think it may work, you know, is, is, you know, you can do the fly-in thing, but obviously they still have to have the passport and everything to be able to work. But I Mm -hmm. think, you know, you're going to get 70, 80% of the bands that, you know, four or five guys are all going to be able to have passports, or they already do because they travel a lot, you know, already. Um, Mm -hmm. Mexico or wherever they're doing, even family stuff, you know, people need passports now all the time. So I just wonder if if a festival or a community like in Canada, like your, your area that you're in, could get some churches together to host a festival, even if one of the properties has a larger piece of land. Yeah, uh, you, have to bring in you hear production. what's happening? Yeah, I hear what's. Ha- you hear what's happening? So, that's that's all I'm and saying. I'm, and I'm not making excuses <laughs> or anything like that. But you know, the the border was one part. You know, getting into Canada for the, for the bigger artists, um, and then yeah. the other part is in in the U.S. You've got a lot of cities where artists can travel from city to city fairly easily, but in Canada, mm-hmm. your big you know, population hubs are very far and spread apart. You, you, you're driving mm. 
two days before you get to the next big city that makes wow. it worth your while to do a concert. Now, if they're if it's smaller scale, then yeah, you can travel into different cities that are an hour, two hours away. Uh, if it's like a church type environment, but for mm-hmm. for a big festival, um, it makes sense for a lot of the artists in the states to to plan their summer. Uh, where they're going right. to a different place Shitty. every every time because they can go with all their gear, sure. they can go with all the trucks, and or or maybe they're flying in, but it's a lot closer. Right. Yeah, I know. So sometimes there's a festival up in, uh, I think it's Alberta, because I know a few years ago uh, I had Zach Williams, and it's this is that's another funny story. Well, it wasn't so funny for Zach, but I um, <laughs> we. It, it, but it was right when Zach was taken off, and I booked him like a year out. And I'm getting off the top a little bit, but I'll, I'll share. And so I booked him for like three grand. And when Zach was taken wow. off, you know, on that first album, and he, and he started to really crank it. By the time he got there, he was getting like twenty, twenty-five thousand a show. And he got there oh, for like gosh. three. And I booked him a year out when he was just starting. <laughs> so he was there, and I was thinking to myself the whole time, "Is he going to be frustrated with me?" And, and I thought he was such a professional, <laughs> such a great guy, and just you know, Zach is just unbelievable. And so <clears throat> you know, we hinted about it in the, in the backstage a little bit, and I says, "You know, we," and I said, "Man, we got we got you right on this one." And he goes, "Man, I'm telling you, you sure did." And so. <laughs> you know how Zach can do it, and so we were just visiting, and now you know he's Zach's forty, fifty thousand a date, and it's just unbelievably doing well, and I'm so happy for him. But um, yeah, uh, I know that he was coming out of a Canadian show, and I thought it was Alberta in August, and I'll have to look it up if they still have that show up there or not. And then he did Fargo, and then he worked his way back to Nashville. But I'm familiar with the one in Alberta, um, and that's a once a year thing. There's nothing else around. Alberta, um, as far mm. as other, you know, festivals for for an artist to travel now, you know, three hours away to this other city because it's just the, the cities are so far spread apart. And I'm not making excuses because there's always a way right. to do something like that. Um, yeah, I, I will say How this: How far is Alberta from you? To drive? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe three days. It would oh, take. Goodness. Yeah, it would take me 24 hours just to get mm. out of Ontario. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's everything's. Pretty far spread apart, but spread out. going back to what you were saying, David, about Zach Williams. For anybody that's listening to this show that is not familiar with uh, the money involved, I guess to say it politely, um, yeah, three thousand dollars is great to bring in an artist, um, and and the fact that an artist might be charging twelve or fifteen or twenty thousand dollars, you can't look yeah. at that and think that all of that money is going to the artist. I guess is what I'm saying. Because it's Crazy, not. Yeah. There, there's a huge expense for all the personnel oh, sure. that travel with the person, the tech guys, the, the musicians, the other singers, or whatever else that are with them. Like it's a big production, and that's what you're paying for. So just mm-hmm. you know, taking a step back so people don't think, "Wow, Zach Williams makes twenty thousand dollars a show." No, it, he'd like that, but it's not happening. <laughs> no, it's very true. It's there's a lot of pieces in place. You know, there's agencies that get yeah. some cuts along the way. And then as the artist grows, you know, there's just there's just Damn. more production involved. There's just right. there's just as you grow, there's more cost. So you're absolutely right. And then they got the band to pay. They got there's just multiple hands and pieces that go in on that on that revenue. So you're absolutely right on that. 
Sometimes it's interesting when you go, and the average person wouldn't necessarily see this, but if you're backstage, as an example, for like a Zach Williams or one of these other big acts, and I don't like using the word act, but but one of these big acts, you you look at how many trucks are rolling in mm-hmm. for for them personally. If it's you know two big eighteen wheeler trucks, you know that there's a lot of gear, there's a lot of you know, lighting or sound equipment or mm-hmm. instruments or uh, I'll say costume changes, but whatever they're wearing, like all of that stuff. And it's not just for Zach, but it's everybody on in his band. Yeah, it, there's a, there's a lot. It, the production is is huge, depending on the venue and and you know exactly what you're doing. If you know if it's a, it can be a little smaller if a church is if you're doing some church dates. A run and they got really good in-house production you know you don't have the needs you would have but if you're if you're rolling out there you're doing arenas theaters and whatever and multiple dates every 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 venue is different as far as what's what's going to be required when you walk into a venue for production as well so mm-hmm. you know and they have staff just on touring and big touring they have staff that just takes care of the technical side of things the production side right you know, you, you're not, and then you have the venue to have to pay for, and all of the staff at the venue, and it, there's a lot of pieces in play. Yeah, for sure. About, um, I guess it would have been about 15, 10, 15 years ago, I tried to hire uh, Brian Adams. Oh, wow. I was trying to get him for my wedding anniversary. So uh, the, <laughs> the first dance at my wedding was uh, Everything I Do, I Do It For You which is one oh, of the yeah. songs. I don't know if that's the actual title or whatever, but the, those are the words. Those are the lyrics to the chorus. And so I was going to try to get him to come into town just to sing that song. And uh, and oh, I was wow. willing to pay thousands of dollars just for him to come, but he was busy touring at the time. So just oh, thought yeah. I'd throw that little story in there. So you were doing a little you were doing a little promoting of your stuff, you know, doing well, a little I tried it wasn't very successful. You know, I got through to the label or I got through to the booking people, but I was turned down. I was shot right down. I was actually, what I was wanting to do uh, was to get him to, uh, I was going to try to get him to show up at my church. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's a secular mainstream artist versus a Christian artist, but I was going to try to get him to show up at my church on a Sunday morning. And, you know, during the announcements, he would just come out starting to sing the song uh, no, sorry. I was going to come out singing the song, and while I'm singing to my wife for our wedding anniversary, he was going to come out and take over. And I and I thought that would be a great, you know, great thing for my wife. Uh, but it never worked out. That's, that's amazing. You, you know, I was just sitting here thinking to myself, I don't know all the words to the song, but um, can you like sing it for us right now? Or? I have not, not, not in no. this lifetime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we we do have a singer we do have a singer online here but i was thinking to myself the words in the words in that song uh could be related spiritually as well couldn't they yeah and Absolutely. that's and that's the reason why i thought i could get away with it so if i'm up on the stage i'm singing the song and then and you know it's the track or whatever and then he just starts walking out and and take takes over You'd have people in the congregation with their hands up in the air praising God, right? <laughs> Aisha, that may be a new song for you, the Brian Adams song. I'm telling you. Here we go. Oh, my. <laughs> You're supposed to jump in. <laughs> no, no, no. Who, me or David? Yeah, oh, you. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I'm supposed not to start happening. the song and then you finish off, but it's too late. <laughs> too late. And I'm not paying you the $3,000 or whatever I was willing to pay Brian Adams. So we're, we're a little off topic here, aren't we? That's funny. That's all good. It's all good. So we've talked a lot about festivals and all the different roles and responsibilities that um, happen with concerts and festivals and whatnot. Can you tell us a little bit about Rising Hope specifically? Oh, I'd, I'd love to. Um, it's a passion to me. Um, it's it's what drives my life. Um, I, 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 you know, I just want to be able to leave, be a part of a team that leaves something when I'm gone from here that, that can be carried on by others. I, I, um, I saw it firsthand, difficult situation for years trucking and um when i when i saw it happening in the trucking somebody come in with kids or whatever young kids sometimes 15 less whatever i'd shoo them off call the police do whatever i could do but it just it just burned in me and so when i started concert Mm. promotion and and met natalie grant and different people that were involved in human trafficking causes and so forth and had conversations i thought okay lord what what can i do and I, I found that one of the biggest needs was long-term recovery for children. And so mm. uh, that had been trafficked for years, maybe kidnapped at three and now they're 15, if you can imagine what that would look like, or Jeez. whether they ran away at 13 and now are 16 and just they left because their house situation wasn't good or you know they just figured it was better somewhere else or however they got there, it really don't matter and I'm not the judge. But it just felt like, what can we do? Because short term is not, it helps, but it's not the answer. And sometimes they go back into a situation that's worse and more violent than it was to begin with. So mm-hmm. long term for me was definitely the way to go recovery. And with the Freedom Ranch, it's named that way because we use equine therapy. We'll, we'll be putting that in place along with um, other things and regular therapy and home in-house schooling and so forth. And giving the kids a chance to get out of that situation and just heal and be able to share God's love uh, because it is a Christian nonprofit. We'll be able to have the gospel presented. And so we're obviously excited about rising hope and the direction it's going. Um, there have just been amazing things that have happened recently with rising hope and the opportunities to build additional facilities is really coming strong. And we want to, kind of have this as a framework um, so we can start with the upper Midwest with locations up here and then kind of grow, you know, in the years to come. And so um, I, I just I just feel like there isn't, it's just one of the world's worst atrocities is, is, the, is the abuse and treatment of children through human trafficking. And mm-hmm. um, I I just there's there's just you know I, I don't know how else to put it other than I you know um, then it's, it's just time to be able to make a change sometimes when I've talked to people about human trafficking they don't believe it's in their neighborhood it's really all over the United States um, mm. you know any given night there's well over 300,000 children under the age of 18 that are being trafficked and that's just too many so um, it's just time that, you know, good people stand up and, and do something to make a difference in these children's lives and, and give them an opportunity to have a home, a safe place to live and to be able to, you know, have a life. Um, 
uh, and obviously, as we know, you know, the best way is through Jesus. And so we want to be yeah. able to present the gospel freely and it's up to them to accept it. Nothing forced, but sometimes you just have to present it, plant the seed. Yeah. And, sure. um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's rising hope to me anyway. David, thanks. Thanks so much for uh, hanging with Aisha and I. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, let's, let's, do, let's, bring, let's bring a show to Toronto. I, hey, I think it's a great idea. We need to make it happen, seriously. Now, Aisha, we could have kept talking for a lot longer. Um, I know. <laughs> this, guy, this guy is so knowledgeable, but he's so deep and, and so, uh, mm-hmm. such, such a genuine, authentic he's guy. He's gentle. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a gentle spirit, and... And it's it's evident, and he's very passionate about what he does. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Just giving him that forum to talk about um, Christian nonprofits, specifically what he's doing with Rising Hope. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't say anything while he was talking, and and he was talking for quite a bit, telling us about why it's so important to him. So. David Leckie on Between the Grooves, and it's now time to check out some artist advice. Today we hear from Kim Pratt. Make sure you're called to do it because it's, it's a lot. It's a lot that you're going to encounter. And if you don't have that foundation to know that God called you in that area, you can easily get turned off. So make sure you're called. Simply stated. Yeah. Make sure that you're called to it. Um, and it comes back to purpose for me, you know, know why why you're here and um, know that God called you on purpose and for a purpose. Um, and it doesn't have to be complicated. Yeah, if you're not Make called. Sure you call to it. <laughs> if you're not called, you're wasting a lot of time. Sure are. When you think about it. Because you're really mm-hmm. spinning your wheels, not achieving anything. Right, right. Yeah. That's exactly it. Kim Pratt, our artist advice this week on Between the Grooves. Many thanks to David Leckie for joining us on this yes. episode. And uh, make sure you check us out wherever you get your podcasts because we've got many, many other episodes for you to listen to. And uh, make sure you subscribe. Give us a comment or two. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, don't forget to like us and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Do it, do it, do it. Thanks for listening to Faith Strong Today's Between the Grooves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider sharing it with your friends, rating our podcast, or giving us some love on your socials to your amazing friends and followers will only help us reach more people. We'd also love to hear from you and share your feedback in an upcoming episode. Send your video or written message to Aisha and James on Facebook and Twitter at Between Grooves or email us anytime. Hello at faithstrongtoday.com. 